And welcome, everybody. We are back with another edition of Benched with Bubba. This is episode 19, and I am joined by a special guest, Tommy Stokey from Fan Rag Sports. You can find him on the Twitter at Stokey Tommy, S T O K K E Tommy. Uh, Tommy, how are you doing today? Good. Glad to uh, start talking baseball. It feels like it's been forever after what kind of seems like a dry off season. Yeah, no, it got it got blowing and going December, a uh, little January, and then it got ice cold. Ice cold in the uh, last couple of days, a little bit of action. Uh, Super Bowl's over. It is baseball season, and I'm glad to have you on and kick-starting um, baseball talk as it is that time of the year. Um, let's get uh, blowing and going right into this. Winners and losers of the offseason as spring training, pitchers and catchers are reporting about a week or so, 10 days. Uh, give me some of your winners and losers of the offseason. Yeah, I actually think the three base winners are all in the American League, um, starting with the White Sox. And I know that's weird because they're not – I mean, you trade Chris Sale. How do you can how do you, are you considered a winner? But what they got back for Chris Sale, what they got back for um, Adam Eaton, I think, A, they won just by – allowing Rick Honda to do his job and giving him the keys finally to what he's wanted to do for quite some time. And he showed that he can do it and that they probably should have tried to do it a little bit sooner. Um, And the other thing is I I think that they're smart and he's handled this the right way. And okay. It's clear that they have to rebuild that they're selling all their stuff, but he's not just handing away Todd Frazier. He's not handing away Robertson um, Quintana he understands that just because they should trade them doesn't mean that they have to right now. Quintana, you can trade at any time over the next um, even year heading into next offseason. He's going to have plenty of trade value. So sure there's risk, but I really like what the White Sox are doing, uh, what they've gotten for those pieces and not forcing it elsewhere. Um, From there, I like the Boston Red Sox. Um, they still have the money to spend. They still have the prospects to spend for whatever else they need, um, whether that's helping them this year on the field, um, whether that's at the trade deadline to get whatever else they need, adding Chris Sale. Um, I don't know that he was necessarily the missing piece, but anytime you add him, um, obviously you get a lot better. And then finally, the Cleveland Indians, um, a mid-market team taking that step realizing, okay, this is our window. We have to go for it now. Um, Something you don't see all too often. So it was refreshing to see them do that. Um, They were aggressive for Jose Batista, even though they didn't get him uh, to come away with Encarnacion. Um, I would put that in the top three. Yeah, no, those, those are three uh, great, great choices. Uh, I love the White Sox. We'll get into them more later on a different subject, but the prospects they got in return from the Red Sox, they basically turned a almost worthless farm system into one of the best in baseball in about a 48 hours period. Um, they got players that'll be ready. Some will be ready by the end of this season, maybe by mid season. Some will be ready in a couple of years. Um, the Red Sox, like you said, sale, maybe not the missing piece. I love the addition of Thornburg uh, as a setup man for Kimbrell. I think that's a huge addition right there. Thornburg could have been a closer for Milwaukee, um, very cheap. Sure, it cost him Shaw, but I don't think Shaw was all he's built up to be. Uh, a couple prospects, 
is what it is. You have to make those those sacrifices. Um, the Indians, that was one that a lot of people aren't talking about that I think is amazing because they went out there, they got in, Encarnacion for less than everybody was talking about. So they stayed mid-market in that respect. The addition of Boone Logan recently for what they did was outstanding for the way he can shut down lefties. Now you put him with Miller, that's two guys that can shut down lefties in a lineup uh, late in the game, which is huge. Um, when they're going to try to contend come playoff time, you saw how Francona managed a bullpen. Now you throw another le- uh, weapon like Logan in there. They got him very, very cheap. Um, they made some big moves right there because basically Encarnacion is going to replace the Napoli power effect. They just lost there with the, what was it, 34 home runs this last year. That's a big loss, but Encarnacion could do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, three big winners right there. Uh, very nice there. Uh, what losers of the offseason did you see? Um, I'm going to start out with the Colorado Rockies, and it's not that I, I really like the Rockies going for it, and I kind of um, – Reminds me, sort of, of the Diamondbacks last year. I liked the Diamondbacks making a big move. I didn't like how they valued their pieces. And, um, you know, going and getting a big pitcher, fine. Going and getting Shelby Miller, fine. Giving up what they did, that's where the mistake was made. Um, Bringing me to the Rockies, going out and getting Ian Desmond, fine. Giving him $70 million to play a position he's never played when you could have gotten, you know, Mark Trumbo for 30 some million, uh, you know, Chris Carter today for 3 million. Um, that's where I think the, the mistake was made. So I, I like that they're going for it. Um, I think that they could potentially be a surprise, but you know, the price that they paid for Desmond with the other stuff out there, I just don't know that they went about it the right way. So they're my first loser. Um, somebody that I think could be a fit for them. I'm going to say Matt Weeders, which is, the only non-team I have, um, Matt Wieters might get a contract worse than Wilson Ramos, and Wilson Ramos is coming off a torn ACL that just killed his free agency. And so now you're looking at teams like the Brewers who could be involved, the Angels, the Nationals, um, that seem like obvious fits, but there has to be a reason why nobody has signed him yet. Um, so his price has come way down. And even if he signs a one-year deal, and does well, I think he'll be 32 or 33 next year. And so what are the odds that a catcher that age, how much higher can he go? It's not like he's going to get a monster three or four year deal at that age as a catcher. If he moved to first, sure. Can he DH switch hitter? Yeah. Um, but this just has not gone well for Matt Wieters. And then finally the Rangers. Um, I think that they had a, they have a very specific timeline as well. When you have, you Darvish is going to be a free agent. Um, Adrian Beltre getting older. But you have this window where, you know, whether it was getting a Chris Sale, um, signing an, an Encarnacion, are they going to make a move for Quintana? I just don't think they could stand Pat. And that's essentially what I felt they've done, even if they do, um, even as they finish this deal for uh, Napoli. Yeah, the, the Napoli deal helps. But I agree because like Darvish and Lucroy, both free agents at the end of the year, Beltre, the fact that he still functions, it seems like his knees are going to collapse at any moment half the time is impressive. Um, Hamels, who's getting old, that team's just falling apart left and right, it seems, the next year or two. Um, 
they needed to go all in. I almost thought they should have re-signed Desmond. He seemed to actually fit pretty well there, but not for that price tag. But then they gave the money to frickin' um, what's his name in the outfield. That was ridiculous. Um, oh, God, I can't think of his name right now. Um, uh, Carlos Gomez they bring back? Carlos Gomez, yeah. I don't even – that contract baffled me. Uh, definitely not worth it in my opinion. But um, the Rockies one, that is by far – yeah, they went for it this offseason, but giving, like, Dunn, the money they gave Dunn yeah. was horrible. Especially now, like I said, you saw Logan's money. We'll get into the relievers here shortly. Dunn's deal was just a waste of money, in my opinion. And then Desmond, who's one of the most athletic free agents that got signed this offseason, and you're going to stick him at first base. Um, no. Now, if you would have went and traded one or two of your outfielders and then signed Desmond to $70 million, sure makes a little more sense. But, uh, yeah, they uh, they threw some money away there, potentially, unless something – there's still time, I guess, for something to happen. But uh, if he's just going to play first base all year, that's a lot of money wasted, like you said. Carter for $3 million, even Napoli for – they're saying somewhere below, below $10 million even. Any one of those guys could have been great in that ballpark for a lot less money for a year. Um, pretty crazy stuff there. Uh, over the past week, we finally saw some – some some uh, punishments put out for that. The Cardinals and Astros hacking incident. The uh, Astros got a couple draft picks from the Cardinals. Uh, what do you what do you what do you think the ramifications in the future are going to be from this whole incident? Like, uh, do you think it was harsh? Not harsh enough? What do you what do you think comes out of this? Yeah i I don't think it was harsh enough, and the part that I don't get is how they determined or how they expect anybody to believe that this guy was the only one in the entire organization that benefited from this or knew what was happening or saw the information that he was taking. And and I'm not well-versed in um, everything that happened with it, but for them to say that we couldn't find that anybody else knew about this or knew the information that he was taking, I find kind of ridiculous. and if a team looks at this punishment, is that going to keep anybody else from doing something like this again? Now, the prison sentence for the guy will probably keep people from doing it. But, I mean, everybody on Twitter was saying, hey, have my team make an easy password so they can get two draft picks when a team wants to steal their information. So I don't know what the precedent should have been set at. I guess I don't exactly know what I don't think would have been too light. Um but I do think that this was probably on the lighter side. The money is insignificant. Um, Sure. The draft picks hurt. I think it's weird that you give them to the Astros. Um, But yeah, saying that only one person knew about it is doesn't add up to me. Yeah. Cause it took them. This was, this is under investigation for a couple years. And like you said, the fact that one person in this whole organization knows how this happened is ludicrous. But um, that's baseball for you, I guess. But um, two draft picks, and that just loads up the Astros. And in the grand scheme of things, the people that might benefit the most out of this are the Chicago White Sox because that just might give a few more little chips for the Astros to make a little trade for Jose Quintana. But um, that's a whole other angle to look at there. But um, something I noticed, you had a little – little uh information on the other day on your website 
Carlos Martinez, the youngster for the Cardinals, speaking of the Cardinals, just got an extension. He got taken care of. Cardinals might have got a deal. If he turns into the ace, everyone expects. Um, Why don't you help us break it down a little bit for those that don't understand it or don't really know about it. He got his extension. What exactly is the Carlos Martinez extension with the Cardinals? Um, It's five years, 51 million guaranteed. And then I think he has options that um, bring it to either seven or six, six or seven, up up to 80 plus million. Um, And at first that looks like an extremely team friendly deal. If he becomes the pitcher that if he stays the pitcher that he is not even considering if he gets better. Um, Those last two years, making 17, 18 million, that's still really good, but if he were a free agent, that would be on the low end of what he would be um, getting. So, it, A, you can't criticize a player, or it's at least hard to criticize a player when they sign up for $51 million guaranteed at 24, 25 years old, especially considering you know, where he came from. This is huge for him, for his family. Um, so I'm not going to knock a guy for guaranteeing himself, especially when there's – certainly injury concerns with him because he's a smaller pitcher. Um, So from a player standpoint, could he have gotten more if he waited? Of course. Um, But we've seen, you know, it only takes one injury. One, if he blows his arm out, he's not getting 50 million guaranteed. Um, And pitchers could be fragile. So from the team aspects, you know, there aren't a lot of these extensions that backfire for a team. We were trying to think of some, in the office and we couldn't really come up with any. Um, so the Cardinals don't have anything to lose. Uh, I should say not much to lose. Um, it'll probably work out for them, but overall good for them. They, uh, I think he's an ace. I think he's a top 10 guy in the national league probably. Um, so I think it's well worth it for them. And I'm not going to knock a guy for signing his name for 51 million. Yeah, no, I saw this deal that came down, and uh, first thing that came to my mind was, damn, the Cardinals, you guys, uh, you guys, you guys just struck gold right there. Because even if he turns into a number two in a rotation, that's a steal. Because you're seeing what, like third and fourth, like you said, third and fourth starters are getting paid fifteen million dollars a year right now. So if this deal works out the way it does, and like you said, you can't fault the kid, especially from where he's from taking that kind of cash kudos to him. He's set up for life. If he plays it right, it's fine. But um, for the Cardinals, this works out phenomenally sets them up. It's what their franchise does. There's why this is one of the reasons why successful teams are successful. In my opinion, is they get stuff like this done. And um, that's why it was surprising to me earlier in the off season when they signed, um, signed Dexter Fowler, that wasn't a Cardinals move, putting money like that towards a player kind of like Fowler's status, uh, just side note, what did you think when they spent that money? Did that kind of ring any like flags to you guys? That Fowler deal? Um, yeah, I did. I don't know that I would have been comfortable with a five-year deal for him. I think, um, you know, for two or three years, he'll be maybe worth it. But there's, I think there's concern that on the back end of that, maybe not. Um, he's a very good player. Um, watching him for the Cubs, um, you know, defensively, I think the metrics said that he got better because he started playing deeper. Um, 
So good for him there. Um, I don't know that I loved the deal, but they had to do something. Um, you can spend money worse places. I don't think that they should have gone all in for 17. I think I wrote that uh, yesterday that if you're going to try to chase the Cubs, 17 is not the year to do it. You want to do it in 18 and 19. Um, but he'll he'll be a great guy in the clubhouse um, at the top of the order, and I think that stuff like that really matters. Um, you can't really quantify for how he impacts the clubhouse um, and that mood. So I think stuff like that matters. So I think it's a it's a good fit, even if you might regret it on year four and five. Okay. All right. Speaking of uh, interesting contracts, let's move on to the relievers market. We kind of already touched on it. The beginning of the offseason, it was bananas. We were seeing stuff, like I said, Dunn got his crazy deal with the with the Rockies. You had a few other guys get some big money. Now you got the likes of Boone Logan, Smith with Toronto, some other guys, uh, Sergio Romo with the Dodgers just getting a few million dollars. Um, what do you think was the reasoning? I've heard different theories. I want to hear your get your idea on this. What do you think was the reasoning – behind the craziness early on and why it's dying off now. Like what, what do you think gives on this? Cause these guys that are getting little bits now, I think are just as good, if not better than some of the guys that got it early. Yeah. I think it's all about playing the market. Um, obviously taking out the big three, because obviously those guys were going to get yeah. paid huge no matter what, um, you know, yeah. Brett Cecil signed a really good deal early. Um, and even if you look offensively, the people that struck early, you look at Kendrys Morales getting 33 million for three years from Toronto. If they would have yeah. waited for two months, maybe he gets a closer to a Chris Carter deal. Um, and it's just yeah. that the people that waited, um, there weren't as many teams that had those needs. And that's a risk that you take on the market. Um, and so all of a sudden when there's only two teams that need a really good lefty, then guys like Jerry Blevins and, and Boone Logan, they can't say, well, we've got five teams bidding. Well, no, we have two bidding and one's going to one and the other's going to the other. So there's not <laughs> much of a case there. So I just think that's the way that the market played out. And they're just like power hitters. There were more power hitters than teams that needed power hitters or they're not valued the same. Um, there were just more relievers than needs or buyers. And with, right. with teams losing, with teams losing and, you know, tanking, if that's what you want to use, that takes away X amount of teams that are spending money. So that just makes it harder anyway. Just because I think the, the crazy part that I was watching was it seemed a lot of these guys getting money were like seventh and eighth inning arms. It wasn't as much like the closers. Like you said, take out the big three. We knew they were getting paid. Now, those were closers. These guys are like seventh and eighth inning arms getting big time dollars. And that's something that you, we really didn't see for a long time. And that's where I'm wondering is, was this kind of a, a, a theory of we, what we saw in the postseason of how important these late inning arms were? Or is this just the way the world's going these days? Like how hitters now are getting it? It's just, just the changing of the, of the market. Yeah, I think um, part of it could have been the the momentum that the, that bullpen arms had after the way that uh, Chapman was used, the way that Miller and the Cleveland Indians bullpen were used. 
Um, so, you know, you look at a team like the Cardinals who still believe that they're contending and they are still contending. They see how important that piece is. So they say, hey, we want who we feel is the best one. Um, at that time, maybe Logan and, and Blevins and Dunn had these high price tags to start because they thought, okay, if uh, Chapman can get 80 some million, well, we can get 40. I'm just throwing out a random number. Um, and everybody starts high early. So they locked in on their target and said, okay, we're going to get this done now. Um, the other part with the bullpen is I feel like that's the last piece that teams go for. Um, no bad team is going to spend a bunch of money on a bullpen. Um, that's where they're going to use younger guys and cheap options. The bullpen, I think, is where people feel like they can patch it up as they go. Um, and that's the last piece. So, yeah, uh, the Indians cashed in and got Logan, but maybe they didn't see Logan as a need or a fit early. And like we're seeing with you know, the Yankees and Chris Carter with the Brewers getting involved with Matt Wieters. Once the price falls, all of a sudden, okay, you know, now we, now can, fit. Now we can play. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Once they hit that price range, now they're, now they're an option. No, that makes sense. Uh, you mentioned something real quick. You don't have to go deep into this at all. Um, and I've heard this. You said how power hitters' prices went down. They weren't as aggressively pursued on the market per se. Um, and – the rumor is, is they're not valued the same way anymore. Do you think that's because there's more, I've seen it more like 20 to 25 Homer guys out there in baseball these days, or is it that they value, they way, way, way more value the guys that get on base more like not completely the money ball theory, but more like I'd rather have a guy that hits 260, 270 over a Chris Carter, 220 for 40 home runs. Yeah, I think that, general managers and front offices are getting smarter and they have way more information now than they had before. And they're able to use that. And the information that they're using doesn't favor power hitters. Um, some people that in the game I talked to think that this is going to be a trend and that guys like Trumbo and Carter will use Trumbo. For example, he's still got a decent deal with 30 some million. Um, that's, that's going to be a trend where you can hit 40, 45 home runs, but if you can't play defense, um, you know, even base running, um, get on base, stuff like that, they're not going to pay you, but it's also that they don't want to pay older guys. Um, before you look at these 31, 32 year olds signing seven year deals, 10 year deals, GMs aren't going to do that anymore. That's why I think you're going to see a lot more of these Carlos Martinez extensions. They're going to lock guys up early and pay him for what's to come. So you don't have a, an Albert Pujols deal where he's making 25 million or whatever at 37, 38, 39 and 40 when he's broken down. Um, Prince Fielder dealer deal. Um, Alfonso Soriano with the Cubs was another one. He was 40, 40 guy. And he came to the Cubs for that huge deal and wasn't the same player. And it's like, wow, I can't believe that happened. Well, he was 30, 31 and they're not stealing base. He's not stealing bases anymore. That should have been predictable. So I think it's both the information that they have. And I think that it's not spending money on the older guys for what they've done for what they're going to do. No, that makes a ton of sense. Especially when you break it down to those, those long-term deals that they used to do that I always thought were, just dumb, stupid, made no sense. And you basically giving them 10 years for five years of production. So yeah, that makes a, a lot of sense. 
Um, speaking of uh, not spending the money and looking into the youth, let's talk some uh, rebuilds. And we're seeing it happen these days. We're seeing it happen really well. And there's some teams that are – they did really well this offseason. Some did well in the past offseasons. But let's start with one. They were your top team uh, winning this offseason. Um, what are your thoughts on the White Sox and their rebuild and kind of the process they're going through and what they're looking like right now? Yeah, kind of bounced off what I said before. You get – a lot of guys that are, are top heavy in your system with high ceilings, uh, Moncada, um, Giolito, Kopech. I mean, Kopech at his worst is going to be a, a dynamite eighth or ninth inning guy um, and has the potential to be an ace and a starting pitcher. So you're getting guys, um, and those guys can help soon. Um, so this rebuild, when when uh, Rick Hahn tells teams that, you know, we might be competing when Jose Quintana um, in his third year or with the Adam Eaton trade, you know, he's got five years left on his deal. You're four and five. When we still have him, we can be winning. And he can mean that um, the Cubs showed that it can happen relatively quickly. If you get the, the right guys in there. Um, and if you fully commit to it, that's something that a lot of people point to the Reds, for example, that they wouldn't fully commit to, a rebuild and they waited a year late on Jay Bruce. And it's like, you went halfway, but because you didn't go all the way, maybe you delay the process by a year or two. So the White Sox showing that they're not afraid to go all in on this. Um, and they have somebody in Rakan who I think is, is smart enough to, to know how to do this the right way. Um, they're in good shape. Easy to say. Yeah. I, I like what they're doing there. Um, the Quintana thing is great because they could have pulled the trigger three or four times by now with the Astros, the the Yankees, handful of other teams. Um, but yeah, like you said, they can go trade deadline. They can go next season. They can go season after. They have money available. They can trade guys. They'll have more money available. The 2018 free agent class is just loaded. Um, so you have all this youth that's going to be ready in a year, this year, a year later. Plus, you can add on guys like Machado and some other guys. I've we've sit, I've sat with a couple guys and we've tried to piece stuff together. The insanity that the White Sox could have on a potential rebuild if they want to do it the right way, they could have a youth movement that could be scary because most of the pieces they've traded for outside of like Moncada and uh, the Basabe um, in the sale deal are all pitchers. So offensively, they could go and spend on that. And go, and then they've already rebuilt their pitching staff. It's crazy what Han's done. Um, flip Robertson for something, get a couple more pieces. Maybe they can grab a, you know, one or two prospects for Frazier or Melky or a Bray or something. Um, yeah, pretty crazy stuff he's putting together there in a short, short matter of time. Um, what do you think about the uh, the Braves that they've been? They've kind of been doing it for the last couple of years, and they're really, really close opening up a stadium this year and the fans should be pretty excited what they're going to be seeing on the field here shortly. Yeah. The thing with the Braves that a lot of people don't like is that they are building a, uh, the Pocota projections came out today. They're projected for 75, 76 wins. And the argument is why build a 75, 76, 80 game winner. Um, just lose, just win 70. Um, those five extra games mean a higher draft pick, whatever. 
And I disagree with that because I don't think, again, this goes to um, the not mental side of the game, but stuff that you can't quantify that you have to teach winning. So signing a guy like Cologne isn't the best in terms of getting a draft pick, but getting him to impact your young pitchers like a, a Mike Fulton-Nevitz, like a Matt Whistler and Aaron Blair, that matters to guys. And that matters um, in the clubhouse and on the field. Same thing with Ari Dickey and Jaime Garcia. So you can't go, you can't be like the Cubs and go from, um, you know, I don't know how many games they, they lost, losing 100 games to winning 100 games in two years or just right off the bat. Um, most teams, you have to go from 70 to 76 to 84, then to 94. And so I think that this is a good move. Um, if it doesn't, you know, best case scenario, they overachieve and they sneak into a playoff spot. Do I think that that's going to happen? No. Um, but it's baseball, so crazier things have happened. Worst case scenario, the, the Braves aren't good, and they have veterans that they can trade at the trade deadline for something, anything. Um, so I like what they're doing. I know that a lot of people don't like their offseason this year because bringing in those middling guys that don't put you over the top um, and are just going to get you a worse draft pick. But human element side of it, I think it, it absolutely matters. Yeah, I, I don't get it either. I think the middling guys are phenomenal. I, I saw the Cologne and Ari Dickey to make complete sense to me because what it is, it's, it's veteran inning eaters to teach your youngsters how to play the game at the same time it doesn't rush guys up that aren't quite ready yet because you might still be a year or two out from some of those guys that you're still developing for your whole rebuild. And you got a guy, like you said, Cologne, Dickey, and they're sitting there. They can eat up your innings. They might give you a chance to win. They're like 500 pitchers. They might find lightning in a bottle. They might not. In baseball, it's not like football and basketball. If you're the fifth pick or the 15th pick, how many times is that really that big of a difference? In baseball, it's really not. Rarely, maybe it does, but honestly, it doesn't really matter that often, especially after the first or second round. It doesn't matter at all. So, um, I don't understand what the the angst is about all that. Like you said, it's going to teach these kids a lot, especially a Cologne who brings that kind of Latin America uh, vibe to the team that can talk to these kids from from the Latin American countries and influence them and mentor them and teach them the way of the world. And um, that'll be huge because they brought in Matt Kemp last year and he seemed to get a little, you know, being playing with the youth. He played actually a lot better when he came over there in the second half. Uh, You got, so you got his veteran leadership over there. Now you have these pitchers that came over there. You put Swanson in a full season over there. I think he's going to have a great season. Um, You keep bringing some more of the youth up there. They might not have it this year. I doubt they have it this year, but you never know. Like you said, it's baseball. Weird stuff happens, especially in the NL East. The NL East is a disaster at times. That um, should be the Mets and the Nationals, but I could see both those teams. You never know what happens with those two teams. Um, but the Braves, they're a year or two out, but they're close, and I think the moves are great. Um, yeah, real quick on the on the Matt Kemp thing. Um, yeah. One of the underrated parts about him is – I know some people don't don't believe in the in lineup protection that that stuff doesn't matter, but it's huge. You are a I mean, look at how well Freddie Freeman hit after he uh-huh. had Kemp behind him, and the difference between if I'm pitching to Freddie Freeman and Matt Kemp's behind him, it's a lot different than pitching to Freddie yep. Freeman with Adonis Garcia behind him, 
And that's not uh-huh. to be any disrespect to Adonis Garcia, but he's not Matt Kemp offensively. Um, and so that stuff, that stuff absolutely matters. The guys in the clubhouse, seeing that there's real talent around and established players, it just, it's the pickup from, you know, being, you know, beaten that bad. I mean, there is a mental toll that that can take and there's a mental pick me up from having guys like that around. So. Well, yeah, no, look, look at uh, Freddie Freeman's numbers overall last season. They were way better than I expected because I didn't think he had anybody to protect him. I, I was doing fantasy projections. I was writing stuff about him. I wanted nothing to do with Freddie Freeman because that lineup going into the season had nothing to protect Freddie Freeman. Why would you pitch to Freddie Freeman? But, um, when they brought Kemp in that second half for once he came over there, he played out of his mind. He was hitting bombs all over the place. Then you put Swanson in there in front of Freddie. He started hitting pretty well. The Braves actually, I obviously don't have it in front of me right now, but um, they were competitive. I know that much. They they were they were winning some ball games at least in September. Um, so there's no reason why they can't keep building on that, like you're saying. There's no reason at all. Um, I know another team you were talking about, I believe, was the Twins. Uh, what do you what do you have on the Twins? Yeah, I, I mean, two years ago they were a 500 team. Um, they lost Tory Hunter, and then they were terrible. And Tory Hunter on the field was bad. I think that they've they've said that they need a veteran guy in there. It, again, goes back to that stuff matters. I look at the Houston Astros as a team that had a bunch of talent, but didn't really have any veteran leadership in there. And they go get a, a Carlos Beltran, a Brian McCann. Obviously those guys can still play. So that certainly helps too. Um, but if the Twins could be, bring a veteran in, they still have plenty of talent. I don't think Buxton's reached his potential yet. You still have Miguel Sano. I mean, there's, there's talent there. Um, and again, two years ago, pretty much the same team, they were 500. So I don't think that they're nearly as bad as they showed last year. Yeah, last year was baffling to me with the Twins. I know they don't have, quote-unquote, the outside of like Dozier, a ton of name value. So, no, starting to have his name value. I liked Ploop. I, that He was cheap, too. That, that one kind of confuses me. I thought he was a good position there, but they want to know at third, I guess. Um, it's, to me, with the Twins, it always comes down to that starting pitching, um, what they're going to get out of that. Because it's, it's a bunch of – it's a bunch of – Maybe threes, fours, and some fives. There's really no real ace there. Maybe a two if you want to be generous, but it's a bunch of three, fours, and fives in my opinions. And that's where that's where they're playing with fire. And when I was looking at um, some stuff for some preseason stuff, I was trying to find it out, and I couldn't find it out yet. And I'm still digging for it. I don't know how long Glenn Perkins is out for, and that's big as well. They're um, looking at their projected bullpen right now. That is a disaster in the making. Um, I know the couple of young guns, they're talented in the back end. I just don't know if they have the makeup that a Glenn Perkins has. Um, but, yes, they do have the youth there, like a Buxton, a Sano. It's there. It's just I don't know if uh, if they got the pitching to keep them there. That's the only downside. But I agree. Yeah, definitely the away, but we'll see. Yeah, no, I agree. It's there. It's close. It's really close. But uh, was there another team you wanted to talk about? Um, not super in depth. You know, I like what the Brewers are doing. Um, they've got a good farm system. They have, um, you know, Braun, who they can turn into 
more. They had a deal that they thought they were going to get done with the, the Dodgers last year, but the Dodgers pulled Cody Bellinger out um, with like 10 or 15 minutes to go before the deadline. So that didn't happen. Um, who knows what happens with the Dodgers that if they have a bad one or two months to start the season, then all of a sudden maybe they have to pull the trigger on something like that. And that helps the Brewers even more. So I, I like what the Brewers are doing. Um, the Padres, I think that A.J. Preller, after his first year, um, has done a, a good job of starting over. How much of what happened that first year was his call versus a push from ownership that, hey, we want to make some noise and win now. Um, obviously, he's still the one that decided what to give up and who to get. And those were obviously mistakes. But I think that they're um, in a lot better position now than they were um, before. So I think he's, I think he's made up for the, the first year that where he was terrible. Yeah, no, both, both, uh, both teams have reloaded the farm systems. Um, if, if the brew crew can flip Braun, they'll be, uh, they'll be sitting pretty. Cause we saw towards the end of last season, they brought up a bunch of their, their youngsters and they still have more to come that are real close to being there. And, uh, the Padres, we haven't even seen most of theirs yet. Then, uh, I think Hunter Renfro we should see pretty early this year. That kid's going to be fun to watch. And, um, yeah, a few more there. Um, we had a list of remaining free agents to talk about, but two left the market today. Uh, you kind of briefly mentioned as a loser, Matt Wieters. Uh, he's rumored to the Milwaukee as of late. Um, anything you want to mention on him? Any rumors on how much they might be offering him or what's going on with Matt Wieters? Yeah, I, I don't know how much. Um, I know that if he goes to the Brewers, it's going to be pretty cheap, I would imagine. Um, I still think that the Nationals should sign him. Um, I think he'd be a good fit there. I think the Angels and Nationals are probably considered the favorites at this point. Um, you hear Tampa Bay uh, more and more, which is a curious fit to me. Um, but again, if they think he can catch first base DH, then, then maybe not. Um, I, I still think it has to be the Angels or the Nationals, um, even though there are other teams involved. So you think the Nationals, even though they already went out and got Derek Norris, I know Derek Norris isn't the end-all be-all, I get it, but they already made a move for a catcher. You think they'd still go after Weeders? Yeah, because I think that the same thing with the Brewers. The Brewers traded for you know Jet Bandy, and they have three guys that they were comfortable with. Um, I think the Nationals have guys that they're comfortable with, um, but – the price changes and all of a sudden the situation changes. I think that if you can get Matt Wieters at a reasonable price, a reasonable price, Derek Norris isn't going to stop you from that. Um, same thing with, you know, Jet Bandy's not going to stop you from that. Um, so that's, that's where I think it all changes. I mean, teams at the beginning of the, the off season, maybe their plan is one thing, but when the market crashes, then uh, the Indians in Encarnacion, 120 million. Nope. 60 million. Okay. Let's talk. So the markets played their way into the national sand. So I don't think Derek Norris should stop them from doing it. He shouldn't, but the, what I want to know is I've asked pretty much any person I've had on this podcast to talk baseball. Somehow Weeders has come up and I'm confused because I know he was kind of banged up in the past or he was banged up in the past, but when he's healthy, he is a really well for a catcher, a really good hitter. Um, what is it that's scaring people off? Is he hurt and we just don't know about it? Or what's what's going on? Because uh, in a world where 
you know, most catchers, you know, can't hit like weeders most of the time. I, I'm just not seeing it. Or am I missing something? Um, I think he's, he's a low on base guy. If I remember correctly, um, I think that he's coming off defensively a bad season. Um, whether it's the pitch framing or the receiving or some catcher metric, he was really bad last year. And I don't know how much stock you can put in that stuff, but teams are going to use whatever they can to their advantage. Um, teams just this year, they didn't really need who needs a catcher. Nationals don't need one. The angels don't necessarily need one. Um, if you ask them, I guess, at least um, there just wasn't though. You didn't have the big market bidding. You didn't have a Yankees in there, a Cubs in there. So that takes away a lot of it too. So the stars just didn't align for him. And, you know, I'm not, I wasn't huge on him. I wasn't going to be in favor of a team handing him 50, 60, 70 million. Um, so I thought that he was going to get it. I thought somebody was going to overpay for him, but it doesn't look like it. I think it's, um, a combination of the defensive metrics didn't look good for him, even though he's a four-time Gold Glover, um, and that low that low on base. Yeah, and the, and one last thing on Weeders, wasn't he the one that turned down the option for some X amount of million, or was that last year? Um, last year he took the qualifying offer for. Oh, he the took the qualifying. So okay, this year they didn't offer it to him. That's what it was. Okay, my bad. All right. All right. One last thing. So like I said earlier, we're basically a week to less than a week, depending on your team from uh, spring training. I saw Bernie Pleskoff was one of the, uh, he's worked for you guys now, I think actually. Right. Didn't you guys get Bernie now? Yeah. He writes for us. He works for you guys now. I've been following him for years. Um, he was tweeting today that, um, a couple vans have arrived in Goodyear with spring training equipment. So, those teams are reporting real shortly. Um, give me a couple teams in the American and National Leagues that you're looking forward to uh, as spring training approaches. Yeah, I think the two intriguing teams in the American League, um, one, the Seattle Mariners with all the moves that Jerry DePoto's made. You have a team that wasn't very good when he got it. Um, and you have guys like Nelson Cruz, Robinson Cano, Felix Hernandez, where there's not a whole lot of time left in that window. So how do you improve them without a great farm system? So they've made a ton of moves to try to do that. Uh, so we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, plays out. I think that they've been kind of a trendy pick the last maybe two or three years where they, I think two years ago, a lot of people picked them in the World Series and they didn't perform. Um, I think that was two years ago. Yeah. They, they were a team that was kind of a trendy pick. Um, maybe not so much now, but the talent is certainly there. Um, and the urgency is there. And that goes along with the other team that I go with is Detroit. Detroit has uh, Victor Martinez, JD Martinez, uh, Miguel Cabrera, Verlander, Kinsler, all these guys making a ton of money and they're older and originally the plan was we have to cut payroll, but it looks like they're going to give it one more shot. So are they going to perform well enough early to, to keep it all together and give it that one more shot? Um, kind of the same both the Kansas City's in where, are, okay, you guys, you've got two months to show us that we should keep this together. Otherwise, you know, 
we got to start trading people. So I think JD Martinez is a guy that is going to get a lot of looks. Uh, Verlander could. Uh, Victor Martinez to an American League team. So they have plenty of tradable pieces if they can't keep it together and the, they have a they're eager to slash payroll at some point soon. Yeah, Detroit that that team actually had them circled earlier. They really have me intrigued because at the start of uh, the offseason, it was, okay, we're going to trade Kinsler. J.D. Martinez is on everybody's radar. Heck, Miggy's available. Verlander's – we're gonna, we're cleaning house. We're starting over. This is it. Then month passes, two months pass. Okay, we're sticking put. We're good. We're right here. Like you said, we're going to stick with everybody. One last shot. And if you look at them, the teams they're, – they're a good team. Like, they were right there last year. They were close. But, um, yeah, they're old. And it's just a matter of can they do it again. So it is going to be interesting if they get off to a slow start, do they start abandoning ship right away or what do they do? Um, That'll be real interesting to see there. Seattle. Yeah. They've been a, everyone likes to pick them uh, year in and year out ever since they got Cano, it seems like. So it'll, it'll be interesting because they're running out of time, but they, uh, I, I wrote down somewhere. I think they've made 18 to 20 moves at least this year, this off season. It's, it's crazy. But what do you got in the National League? Uh, National League, one being the Nationals. Um, they're a team that you can look at their window saying that it's relatively small. With with Bryce Harper, you only have, uh, I think, two more years. Um, Dusty Baker, an older manager. Um, Scherzer, Daniel Murphy, that you have all these guys. And the big thing was they didn't do anything this offseason. So what are they going to look like this year? Um, obviously, they were very good last year, so there's not like – they needed a ton, but when you don't do anything and teams have this perception that you have to win now, so you have to do something, um, coming up short on the big closers that they, they put up a lot of money to, to offer, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of eyes on them and they're going to take a lot of heat if they don't play well early because they were inactive this offseason. The other team, um, the Arizona Diamondbacks, because – they were supposed to be good last year, and they weren't. But with a, a new manager, a new general manager, um, they kept the core mostly intact. And I think that that's a sign from them that they think that they're going to be good enough to be competitive. Does that mean 500? Does that mean a wild card? Does that mean division? I don't know, and I don't think that they would pin it that on anything either. Um, but I think that by not – trading a lot of these guys or having a fire sale of sorts, which again is easy to do with new management coming in um, shows that maybe they're not far off from the expectations that team had last year. Um, Now they can still trade Craig or Zach Granke if they, they want um, or if they can find somebody, they can still blow it up. It didn't have to be right away, but you know, who, who knows? I think that they have a lot of talent, whether or not it gets, put all together uh we'll see yeah uh the nationals are one of my my disappointing teams this offseason just for the fact that um losing melanson and to stay the the top team in the east i think they needed to, to answer that closer question if they can go and get robertson i think that's huge i think they need to badly um they didn't answer that question at all and they keep watching reliever after reliever disappear. Um, 
I didn't like that Eaton deal at all. I know he's a good outfielder. I know he's got he's cheap and he's got a lot of time left, but they got about three good young arms in that deal. Um, as a Giants fan, I hate seeing what the D-backs did this offseason. Um, I love the, new, the way the new management's taking care of business there. Um, the trade they made with Seattle, they fleeced Seattle, in my opinion. That Taiwan Walker deal was outstanding. I think he is a great arm. I think that is a phenomenal move. He struggled at times last year, but he's still so young. Uh, just get the right guy to work with him. The stuff is there. Just have Granky work with him. I think that's great there. Uh, Shelby Miller, they need to realize he's not a number two. Get him, make him a three or a four. You got Goldie there. Get a healthy A.J. Pollock back who wasn't even there last year. Um, the Diamondbacks with and, and Lamb. So you have a three, four, five with Pollock, Goldie, and Lamb. The Diamondbacks are a scary team, a uh, very scary team. I've been to that ball yard. A ball flies out of that ballpark, close the roof. Um, that is a very scary ball. I call it Coors South, Coors Light, however you want to call it. Um, that is a scary, scary ballpark, scary, scary team. They underperformed last year. They had a lot of injuries, and the way the organization was ran was kind of a mess. But they're already on the right track. You should be very happy. Like, you know what you're seeing down there. It's it's going to be good in the, real quick down there. Um, but that trade, which you flipped Segura, who had one good year for, was pretty tight. Because Ketel Marte, I'm very high on him as well. That's a hell of a Yeah, move. I think – I think selling high on Gene Segura um, yeah. was a really good move. I mean, he had his best year probably of his career, and he did it in the yeah. hitter's park of Chase. So selling high on him and getting what they did, um, definitely a good move. Yeah, that was an amazing trade. You, uh, Yeah, as long as that's the big thing. If Granke can find his form, I think you guys would be just fine. I really do. Um, well, Perfect. That'll just about wrap us up. Uh, any closing thoughts there, Tommy? Uh, I don't think so. I think we covered covered it. Um, it's good to be talking baseball again, so I appreciate you asking me to, to join you. Yeah, cool. Uh, thanks for coming on. We'll, we'll have to do this again sometime during the season or whenever. We'll figure it out. Um, make sure you guys check him out. He's at FanRag Sports. You can check him on Twitter at Tommy S-T-O-K-K-E, Tommy. Uh, Tommy, again, thanks for joining us. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 19. Thanks for checking us out. We'll catch you all later.